local USCW 3000. We are the union. The union is us. Welcome to our local USCW 3000 podcast. I'm here with Derek Edens. He works for our union. We're just going to get a little more education on how our union is involved in politics. Yeah, appreciate you having me here. But if you just want to introduce yourself and maybe just start out with who you are and how you came into working for the union, if you're comfortable with that. So my name is Derek Edens. I'm with USCW 3000. I'm a political legislative organizer. I originally came into doing this work back in 2015. Uh, I actually started off as a shop steward. I think at the time we was uh, we was trying to push legislation in regards to like minimum wage increase. Mm-hmm. Also, I was coming to like uh, candidate endorsement interviews. Um, oh, cool! And just by happenstance, I ran into the local president down um, down in Tacoma, USA three six seven, and then uh, interviewed, and they brought me on staff. Oh, cool! What is it like going to candidate endorsement interviews? What's that process like? It's, it's really enlightening. Uh, I think the first thing that like hit my brain, I was kind of like you know awestruck in the beginning. Yeah, but I can see the nervousness that the candidates had when they was getting interviewed. Almost like, you know, we all do doing a employment interview. I seen the anxiety of uh wanting want to know, you know, when they hear back and those type of things. And I was like, wow, I'm like, you know, looks like uh this union has some power. <laughs> <laughs> So that really intrigued me in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I was just, you know, coming from Texas, right to work state and being in so many uncompromised situations in regards to employment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right to work states are a little rough. Yes. And I was like, man, you know, that was all the reason why I moved here. Really? And, yes. And I was like, definitely wouldn't want to see someone, you know, be placed in that position unnecessarily up here. And let me do my part in making sure the good things they have going up here keeps going in the right direction. Yeah, continue to fight for stuff. And you're still a part of the process of interviewing political candidates, right? Is that still something that you do? Yes, yes. Uh, we are actually doing it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what, yeah. what's that like? Do you get? Do you sit down with them one-on-one? Do you sit down with a whole group of them? Is it just you or, or other people with you? What is that like? Because to me, in my head, I kind of picture a one-on-one interview or maybe it's just a panel and everything's a little more tense. And <laughs> Well, it's not one-on-one interviews. It's actually our members. Okay. That's part of our political action advisory committee. Some people like to call it a POC. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'll pack. <laughs> we have our free <laughs> So our community are made up of members, members only. You know, we have a couple of staff, myself and our political director, Tom Lambro, mm-hmm. and our political action advisory committee. They construct the questionnaire that we want to pose on these candidates and we bring them in. We interview them and we have a vote on rather not to endorse or not endorse. Is the vote done in front of them or is it done afterwards? No, it's done afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but I had to ask. <laughs> and I'm, I'm guessing that each set of questions or each questionnaire is tailored to each politician, right? Or is it kind well, of just in general? Well, it's, 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 it is tailored to like, you know, we have our particular like, agenda, things that we're like achieving to get passed or addressed. We have those questions, but we also have, you know, specific questions pertaining to areas that a politician may be representing. Mm-hmm. Let's say, for example, it can be an area where, you know, we only yet have hazard pay during the pandemic, right? Right. And this person is running for city council in that particular city. So that would be a question that we will propose to that particular candidate and may not necessarily propose to someone that's say running for city council, period, because we already had it at the time. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully that clears that. It does. Yeah. It does. And that's good to learn more about. Once you finish interviewing these candidates and you pick ones that you want to endorse, how do you hold them accountable for some of their answers when you question them? Like if they said that they were going to do something, how do you make sure that they stay true to their word? Well, I know that, that's something I always hesitate with politicians is how much can you really trust them? Because I, 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 I don't trust them very much. I will be honest. <laughs> I, I, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's a really good question. I always like to say that politicians doesn't respond to applause. They respond to pressure. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we're like hawks, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we pay really close attention when legislation is proposed. And we, you know, we have the expectations that, that you will support these particular issues that we say is important to us. You know, we can only, uh, I hate to say hope that they will right. stay true, but it's, you know, I, I would be lying if I said, you know, that's the case 100% of the times, right? Yeah. But, you know, you can rest assured if they don't, you know, support our issues, then, you know, there's a good chance we will be uh, getting them out of there next time around. Right. Yeah. You guys actually called them out on it, right? You talked to them, not in an aggressive way, but business-like, I'm assuming professional way. Absolutely. Absolutely. We just remind them like, hey, you know, you said that you was going to support it. You know, ABC, what's going on? You know, what's the issue? I think it's cool that you guys do that and that you have the opportunity to do that. Because I mean, I'm sure if you're going to endorse someone and give them money and help support them in such a big way, you should be able to hold them accountable. It's nice that you're able to do that to an extent. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's not just the money aspect of it. I I think the biggest way we help a lot of these politicians is the people power. Because, you know, we bring along a lot of our staff and members as well to like staff these canvases, staff these phone banks. You know, we, we're out in the community actually talking to people face to face. And a lot of these candidates just don't have the resources to be, you know, to be able to be out as broad yeah, as Yeah, the manpower Absolutely. to go out and go door to door. And you guys do that where you go out to the public and you make sure that people are aware that it's time to vote for something. That there is a voting coming up and are they voting and why would they not be voting? You guys have very open conversations with people about that, right? That's not that part of what you guys do. Is it just with calling or do you guys go door to door or what is your process for that? 
Well, I mean, we have, uh, we're always trying to be creative and innovative uh, in regards to how we reach our, our members. So like last year, for example, previously we was doing more like canvassing and, you know, the typical things like phone banking, letters, word of mouth. But this time around, well, last year we was trying something new. We figure out like, hey, being that the political atmosphere is so divisive and intense these days, mm-hmm. maybe we will have a lot more like contact with our members instead of going to their doors, knocking on their doors, let's go to the work sites. Oh, right. That has been really effective. I think we're going to keep that going this year around. Well, this upcoming year, because, you know, regardless of like what your views are, people seem to be a little bit more open to conversation when they're at the work site, right? Yeah, it's less personal. I mean, if you have someone knocking on your door, I know that I hesitate to answer the door if there's someone there that I don't know and they're not dropping off a package. I most of the time won't answer. I'll wait. Coming up to someone at work in a public area, yeah, I bet the response is a lot more receptive. Absolutely. Yeah. What is something that you feel is important for people who are listening to this podcast to learn about or have a better understanding of? Well, I can think of a lot of different things. Uh, (laughs) I want to know all the things. (laughs) (laughs) You know, in regards to like your union, what what your union does, this is what I think about a lot. Like no matter like how many times when I was a rep, I can, I'd be in the store at least twice a month. A lot of times, a lot more than that, depending on what we have going on. And you would have someone say, (laughs) you know, either I haven't seen my rep or the union doesn't do anything. You know, I learned quickly that all you have to do is kind of like listen to this person and see what their issues are. And you can pretty much clear that up, right? But I've always been like broadcast a little bit more the things that we do do. People be a little bit more informed on all the things that a union does. It's not just bargaining contracts, right? Right. It involves a lot of issues that the working class is dealing with when you're talking about housing, <laughs> when you're talking about affordable child care. I mean, it's just down the line. There's so many things that we do. It's a lot. It is. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast. And I had said it at the beginning of my first episode, it's so hard to really explain in full context in a way that does our union justice, what our union does when there's such a broad spectrum. We get involved in pretty much everything. So the best way to do that was individual episodes and just start slowly getting more and more into the meat of it. And I hope that our listeners stick around and are willing to hear everything that we do. That's great. Yeah. That's really difficult. And I know that people get frustrated and most of the time it's with a lack of communication or communication breakdown or a lack of understanding with everything. Like a lot of people will say, oh, I don't want to join a union because my dues will just go to politicians, which is false. We we both know that's not how that works. Yes, that's it. That's another broad like misconception. But I like to just tell people not get into the weeds of it all is that your union dues only go to like the mortgage on the building. Yeah. <laughs> if you were saying the mortgage, right? Or if you was written the building, right? It only goes to like administrative costs. Things that's particularly pertaining to the operation of the local. Yeah. And it doesn't go to anything political. What we do have is what we call Active Ballot Club. These are members that do contribute willingly, totally voluntarily. Yeah. Um, really small amounts, you know, anything from a dollar to three, four dollars, pure pay period. 
This is what we use to fight against the corporations that's getting millions and millions of dollars in donations, right? But yeah. It goes back to helping our members and helping those of us that need help and reaching out and paying for the paper that we're printing all these updates on and sending out to everyone and for you to write down your vote on when you are voting a contract. And there's so many things that it goes to. It's just not that. And it's really easy for people to get that misconception cleared up if they go to a general meeting at your area, you you get a flyer in your mail, or if you are unsure of when or where it is, you can go on the UFCW3000.org website and our general meetings are listed on there. And if you go to a general meeting, there is a portion of that meeting where they sit down and they break down how much is in the bank, where is it going? Mm-hmm. And if you have questions about politics and how our union is involved in it, they'll answer that for you there at that meeting. And if that meeting is happening at a time that doesn't work for you, let's say you have to go to work, you can always call your rep and ask them, right? Because our, our mm-hmm. reps are happy to educate anyone on that topic as well. Yeah, thanks for bringing it up because uh, that's super important for people to know. We do have our general membership meetings every quarter. We have them throughout the state, yes. uh, regardless of where you're at. It's one near you. And also uh, the USCW3000.org website is a really good resource to go to. You know, kind of going back to what you were saying, like, you know, we was talking about some members feel like, hey, the union doesn't do anything. Yeah. yeah. If you just go to that website along, you mind them. Yeah. I mean, like, actually, it does. It does. I mean, our union does a lot of things. <laughs> and, if, and if you really feel that way, then get involved. Change that statement starting with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, you know what? I'm frustrated with this. I want to change this. You know, get involved and call up there. I guarantee there is some kind of group that you can get involved with that helps out. For example, I'm on the healthcare advisory board and you mentioned that there's a political, what, what's it called again? I'm sorry. Political Action Advisory Committee. Yeah. Great. So, so if someone wanted to get involved with that, how would they do that? All they have to do is, well, they go to the USCW 3000 website. Mm-hmm. They have a link called People Power Politics. If you click on that, it will take you to a registration link for one of the meetings. Okay. So you can awesome. attend these meetings in person as well as over Zoom as well. Oh, as cool. Well. Mm-hmm. See, it's super convenient. If you can't be there in person, at least you can be there in Zoom. If you don't go to one meeting, does that mean you're automatically not going to be notified of no, the next one? No, no, All right. no, no. You all, you know, I, I send out updates, or, you know, to everyone, even if you don't attend. And I have the notes in there that we, you know, everything that we talked about. And I also have reminders in there about what we're going to be talking about or what kind of trainings we're going to have the following month. I did read that email that you attached for me because I missed the last meeting, but it was so nice to read the highlights of it. And the fact that it was detailed enough that even though I wasn't there, I really understood everything that you guys talked about and that you're planning on talking about the next one. So I actually found that really helpful because as a night shifter, I don't always get to attend most meetings. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Uh, When you were telling me about how you worked the night shift, thought about when I was a grocery rep and... We will always have these time periods where you're like, hey, how can we capture the people that's on the night shift, right? The night crew. Yeah. We'll make an effort to like go around in the middle of the night, sometime between 10, a, uh, 10 p.m. and 7 a.m. But even with that, I mean, you still can't capture the people that, you know, the amount of people that you wish to capture, right? Yeah. So, you know, taking these notes, having these, you know, developing these podcasts is a excellent, excellent idea. 
Thank you. I'm hopeful that it's going to work out and it'll help keep everyone connected and on the same page. I mean, everything changes like you brought up earlier. There's Facebook, there's Twitter, there are all of these new outlets for communication. And it's just that podcast seem to be another new outlet that's going to stick around for a long time. And we just got to keep growing with technology and keep trying to reach out to everyone. Yeah. I always think about a lot of the work that we do and how we don't necessarily like broadcast, even like a lot of our wins, right? We don't scream to I do the... agree. I feel like they should be <laughs> celebrated more. <laughs> right, right. So it it, it, it kind of makes me think about how like I deal with my kids sometimes, right? I may do something or I might know something and I don't necessarily let them know because I want to find out organically, right? Yeah. So, it, you know, it kind of sticks to them a lot better than like, rah, 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 look what I done, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, but, it, you know, uh, in this particular case, I think it's time. I mean, we see the, you know, we see the way the corporations are moving. We see the potential merger between Harrison's, oh, yeah. Kroger, and Safeway. That would be catastrophic to our members. Right. Something like that was to take place. And can you explain how and why that would be? I recently just learned about this, but I don't. I understand, but I think you would be better at explaining that. Well, we just recently seen something similar to that happen with the, I'm getting all mixed up with, <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> with, with Safeway Albertsons merger mm-hmm. and the divested stores was sold to Hagen's mm-hmm. and Hagen's voted within a year. So keep in mind that a lot of these stores have to be sold, right, for the deal to even go through to a third grocer or particularly or to a third company. Mm-hmm. For that same company, that third company to vote within a year, it's like, it, 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 it almost seems criminal, right? Yeah, it's so rushed <laughs> because there's so many people that need to be contacted and educated on what's going on before a vote even takes place. Yeah, and these are real people that it affects them in all kinds of ways. You know, even the ones that keep their jobs, losing that seniority, it just has a huge negative impact on our membership. Mm-hmm. We're trying to get ahead of that. Of course, we're fighting it all the way out in D.C., but, so you, you guys know, are going out to D.C.? Yes, uh, uh, our local president, Faye Gunner, as well as uh, a few of our members has went out and testified, I believe, to the U.S. Senate. That's really cool. And uh, in regards to stopping this merger from taking place. Mm-hmm. So we have to wait and see what happens. But yes. And when is the voting for this taking place or did it take place already? Oh, it hasn't taken place yet. Okay. But they're pushing for it. Yes. And um, how exactly can it negatively impact our members other than the loss in seniority? One of the biggest impacts would be, you know, layoffs. Yeah. Because it makes sense. Most of uh, our grocery employers are Safeway Albertsons, Kroger's. Yeah. And uh, surely they will, a lot of them are like right across the street from one another, right? Yeah. It'll lead to cost increases, right? And to cost increases for all of our food and produce. Because there's no one to compete with. There isn't a reason for them to lower their price or sell for slightly lower than the guy a mile down because it's all the same guy. So they can just jack up their prices even more. That's going to affect everybody, not just union members. Absolutely. Or not just grocers. It's going to affect us all. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. Another way would be like contract bargaining. Oh, that will make it so much more difficult. You you know, you basically have one huge grocery employer. Yikes. So it makes bargaining really tough. Yeah, I bet that would be very difficult. What else is going on other than that? Because I'm very unaware of our political happening. I will be honest about that. I didn't actually start getting involved with politics again until we started pushing for a safe staffing law last year. 
which is a huge win. And it has such a huge impact on our healthcare workers and our entire healthcare system. People don't know it yet, but they're going to see that system improve because of this bill. That is a giant win. Is this something you guys are still involved in with how it's going to continue to develop? Or have you moved on to other projects and other focused your your efforts in other directions? Well, again, I mean, nothing trumps that, say, staffing bill. That was huge. Uh, and that's been a huge fight for a very long time. Yeah. But we haven't, you know, we haven't moved on. I'm sure we're going to like, you know, be really hawkish and watch the application of this new legislation. And I'm sure it's going to have a few kinks in there that's going to have to be worked out. Just like with everything does when it's new. (laughs) And the nice part is there is a timeline that's clearly written in it where it's going to take a year or two to really come fully into play. And that is so that we have time to work out those kinks, right? Mm, Absolutely. I guess your merger is really taking the priority of your guys' focus right now, which would make sense because that's also equally a huge deal. Yes, yes, it is. We also have a few other issues as well. We was tempted to address the organized retail theft and safety within our stores. Yeah, that has to do with some of the cameras we've been seeing pop up in parking lots at some facilities, right? I'm not sure about that because they kind of like you may not have seen it. Yeah, I mean it's it's been going on for quite some time, but you know that was overwhelmingly the response of the top priority that we should have Mm -hmm. when we surveyed our membership was safety and protections in regards to like organized retail theft, right? Because you know people was coming into the stores and was putting everybody safety at risk right. and members are losing their job. They were being expected and being asked to uh, engage with these particular shoplifters. Which isn't fair. I mean, when you go to work at a grocery store, you're going to work to stock the shelves or work in the bakery or the butcher department. You're not security. Security separate. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really tough situation to be in. That was kind of like one of my biggest issues as a rep. Because mm-hmm. it just didn't make sense, right? When you have a member call you like said, hey, I've been suspended. And keep in mind with these suspensions, you know, it's not pay suspensions, right? And it's almost like indefinite. But then you, you know, you get the details of what happened. You're like, why is this person suspended? Oh, she touched the basket. What do you mean she touched the basket? Those type of things, right? I think what you're referring to is a situation where if someone's trying to steal it and they touch the cart full of items that someone's trying to steal or get <laughs> bumped by the cart even so much, which has happened they're being accused of breaking a policy, right. right? The thing is, like you was referring to, right? If you incidentally just touch the basket, right? Yeah. Or uh, the basket touches you. Yeah, <laughs> it's the best way to put it. There, they get rammed and then they're accused of <laughs> interfering when they weren't. Right. They were just honestly in the process of being attacked or at the wrong place at the wrong time or just doing their job. Absolutely. So that was the thing that kind of like struck a card with me the most because, I, you know, I've seen longtime members. So, you know, it's not the typical what you would think young person kind of gung ho and was trying to tackle a shoplifter in the parking lot. No, I'm talking about members that's been with the company for 30 years, 25 years, typically up in age, 50 years old or 45 years old and older. These are the ones that were losing our jobs. And uh, yeah, I have my theory about that. But Were we able to do anything to help them out in that situation? <clears throat> What's the process? Well, the process previously was it wasn't something we could necessarily get that person back to work immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things can take place between the time that a person is suspended and you get that person back to work, right? Mm-hmm. 
I have a case where, well, I had a case where I was able to get a member of her, her job that she had been there for over 35 years. But I also had several other cases where I wasn't like able to get that member's job back. And those are the ones that kind of like stick with, yeah, those are the ones that like stick with me the most, right? The ones that you couldn't help. But now you pressure the employer through legislative action. Mm-hmm. And I think they saw that it was a really good chance it was going to pass. We had members down in Olympia testifying to the Senate committee. Yeah. Made a really good impression, kind of paints a picture of what was going on uh, with their own words. And the employers say, hey, let's talk about this. Yeah, suddenly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> attention, and I've talked about this in previous <laughs> episodes. Some of the best ways that we can make a change happen is by coming together collectively and speaking out and getting the community's attention. Because suddenly, when it's not just the employee, it's the employee in the community and, you know, people who have power over them and their position. Mm-hmm they're more willing to listen because they're being forced to listen. They're being forced to acknowledge the fact that, you know, they might be wrong, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, politics. It's something you may not like, but it's something that you definitely have to be aware of and be a willing participant because it's going to impact your life, whether you want it to or not. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to deny that fact for a very long time. (laughs) I was wrong. (laughs) I'm so glad that that changed and that it's not that way towards our grocers anymore. I think that would be so hard to work in that field and have that constantly playing in the back of your mind when you're having to address a situation. I mean, I couldn't imagine because we sometimes had to be our own security at some healthcare facilities. You know, we call code gray or code strong over the intercom and there isn't security coming. It's you and you're going to back up your coworker, but you have rules that you have to follow. But even in that situation, I couldn't imagine if I had someone coming at me at work and I wouldn't be allowed to defend myself at all. Like you'd just be automatically let go or fired. Mm-hmm. That's horrifically stressful. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. So that was, those are the two main victories that we had this year. Um, big victories. Yes, yes. Both equally big victories. Yes. Because they, they have such a big impact on everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's going to make it safer for those of us who just go to the grocery store or families. Absolutely. I think that is awesome. What is your favorite question to ask a political candidate? Just kind of taking it back to the previous beginning of our, of our conversation, if you don't mind. Just because I think it's so interesting that you guys get the opportunity to do that, you know? That's not something right. that the everyday voter gets to do. Absolutely. I don't know if I have a favorite. <laughs> it's okay if you don't. It was yeah, just a random I, question that popped up yeah, in my head. I, yeah, I didn't see that on the uh, I really don't. I mean, honestly, I really don't have a favorite yet. You know, I can make it a little difficult sometimes, mm-hmm. depending on the candidate and what I think I'm saying, right? But I, I really don't necessarily have a favorite. I will say, like, the hottest topics that everyone is talking about is houseless crisis, a homeless crisis that we have. Yes. So, you know, but that's something like everybody's kind of prepped to. Right. I think it's a fairly common one, although even our union is getting involved in that, too. There's an affordable housing committee, I believe is what it Mm -hmm. is called. I don't know a lot about it, but Mm -hmm. I do. I did read just yesterday that in regards to the cost of living, we are the fifth worst in the nation. Oh, jeez. You know, I'm not even surprised. Just something as simple as gas prices. I was on the phone with a friend the other day, and she lives in, I don't know, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, somewhere over yonder. And I was whining because I was at the gas pump at how expensive her gas is. She goes, well, how much is it? Uh, $4.50 something a gallon for unleaded, and that's the cheapest option here. And this is the cheapest gas station in my area. How much is it there? Just over $3. Yeah, yeah. I think that was in the news. 
the cost of living is high here. Yeah. And even our housing market just keeps going up and up. It's totally ridiculous. Um, People just can't afford to live anymore. It's not getting any better. So it's good to see a lot of us is like uniting and we have one united front in regards to like pushing back against these outrageous rental increases. Yeah. Everything else as well. I mean, we're number one in fuel costs now. I would believe it. <laughs> so when you, when you were saying that, I was like, yeah, I just saw that, you know, we're number one. Uh, but I will say like every year I try to go back home to Texas. Mm-hmm. That's one of the easiest things you can look at, right? Comparison at the pump. Yeah. And it used to be as much as a dollar difference, mm-hmm. but that has been shrinking a lot. I think the last time I checked last year was like 60 or 70 cents difference now. Oh, jeez. So all over the place, people are getting squeezed. It is. And it's hard. And it's why we fight for better contracts for employees to get our working wages increased. Because honestly, if we didn't have contracts that would push for that and keep that steadily increasing and push for larger increased fluctuations and instances like the past three years with COVID and all the cost inflation of just cost of living, we wouldn't have pay increases. I mean, think of it. If you've ever worked for an employer who isn't a union, did your pay go up at any point in time when you were there? Probably didn't. Or you had to go and fight or argue. And it's this constant stressful factor because if you don't stand up and fight for it or if your employer isn't willing to hear you out and increase your wages, you didn't get an increase, period. I mean, my mom has worked for the same company for more than 20 years. And she had to fight tooth and nail to get any kind of pay increase. And it's not often enough. And it wasn't often enough to keep up with the cost of living. Yeah, that's absolutely horrible. That's going on all over the And it's going everywhere. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, And, and, you know, that's actually what brought me here to Washington State, trying to run from those, uh, those kind of situations. I hate to put it that way, but yeah, I had to move here. And uh, starting the life for myself because I see my wages were so much better, right? Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah, and even then, a lot of us will commute. My commute is well over an hour. So I can work for an employer that's going to pay me the amount that I need to support my family. I would love to work closer at home, but that's just not an option, not for the pay scale. Yeah. And so you either have to pick up and move, and that's not always an option if you have kids. No. You, know, you need to put your kids first. So you suck it up and you commute. You do whatever you have to to make it work. But I am incredibly thankful for our union because if it wasn't for our union negotiating a contract at that facility, I would have to drive even farther because that facility at that time wasn't paying enough to make it worth for me to go there. The amount that they were offering was the same amount that I would have made working down the street, which wasn't enough. And so it wasn't until they negotiated a contract that that was amended for a new employee coming in. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God for the union. <laughs> <laughs> and politics. <laughs> super important. Super important. Uh, it's just funny. Every time someone asks me that, yeah. I just laugh because I mean, my initial, so many things is like, all right, which one do you want? I, I should just let you talk. Mm-hmm. And then I'll make a reference to what you're talking about, what you're dealing with, um, what the union does. Yeah, that's very true because there's, there's something that we do that applies to what's going on with you. Right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you taking time out of your day and educating me on some of the things that you're doing and the hard work that you do. Is there anything that you think you want to add before we end our session? No, I just appreciate you having me on today, Michaela. Next, I'd like to invite up Naomi Oligario, front end checker, Safeway, Port Orchard, Washington, UFCW 3000 number. I have worked for 37 years as a grocery store worker at Safeway. In all those years, I have served my customers with great customer service and partnered with my coworkers to get the job done. 
But my body, like so many other grocery store workers, has taken a hit as a result of the grinding work that we do and we continue to do and have had physical injuries and needed to be off at times for medical reasons. But I've always come back and I've kept going and getting the job done. And there are also many other younger workers like Keenan Calhoun, who joins me here today and works at Fred Meyer, a Kroger store in Seattle, who are part of the story as well. Over the last three years, we have lived through the COVID experience, and me and coworkers have served our community and served our employers and provided essential services in a time of crisis. Over the years, our work as cashiers, produce and dairy clerks, meat and seafood departments, bakers, nighttime stockers, and price changers and helper clerks, and many more, we have all helped make our stores run. We have thousands of members like me who work for Safeway and Albertsons. I was one of the thousands who were working for Safeway back in 2015 when Safeway was taken over by Albertsons. And the Hagen's fiasco happened. They told us how it was going to make things better, and it wasn't. After it was approved and everything settled, we saw over hundreds of stores close across the Western US. Workers lost their jobs. I have new friends who had workers have worked for years and lost their livelihoods. We all are concerned with this proposed merger and the $4 billion giveaway to rich, greedy corporate shareholders. Instead of investing in us, the workers who help make the profits. We need safer stores, our customers need lower prices, we need more competition, not less. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. Once again, if you have any questions or you want to get more information on our political happenings or anything like that, go to ufcw3000.org and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. 